ESG initiatives are becoming important to companies around the globe. How is this impacting the equipment finance industry? What can companies in our industry do to rise to these challenges and bridge disparity gaps at the same time? We'll explore these topics and more in today's podcast. But before we get started, I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Stripes Leadership Program. Stripes is a leadership development program for the equipment finance industry. This 10-month program launches with a three-day intensive transformational program and also includes master talks and master workshops from notable industry leaders and leadership experts, working cohort groups with other industry professionals, outcome-driven development sessions, and much more. Learn more about Stripes by visiting stripesleadership.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Rita Garwood, Editor-in-Chief of Monitor, and joining me today on the podcast is Babaka Kase. Babaka is Vice President of Global Asset Management and Product Development for Technology and Office Equipment Markets at DLL. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Rita. Thanks for having me and looking forward to our exchange. Me too. So we hear about environmental social governance, or ESG, when it comes to organizations around the globe, and it's becoming you know, a really important topic that we're hearing about all the time. From your perspective, how do you think ESG is playing a role in the equipment finance industry? Yeah, I think, Rita, that um, the very key premise that uh, the equipment finance industry um, you know, can play a role uh, in society or in the environment that you know, we operate in, I think it's an idea that has been embraced by pretty much everybody in the sector and even beyond our industry, actually. Um, if you look at our customer, uh, our partners, I would say even our shareholder and our membership, our members, um, they are very much more and more sensitive to as to how DLL and how company like ourselves uh, do we operate and what type of initiative and, and a vision do we have to make sure that we have a contribution to society or, or just to an environment, generally speaking. Um, and I think that that basic premise definitely obliges us in the market, DLL and other companies to very much uh, seek to make a difference at our level. If you look at um, the way uh, we operate and the different customer that we uh, work with, it's a pretty broad array of customers. You know, you're talking about uh, small and medium sized enterprise. You talk about large corporation as well. Uh, public sector uh, and institutions, and all of them are very keen to have ambitions, well-targeted actually objectives when it comes to uh, dealing with you know social issues, uh, gender equality, uh, making sure that they understand as well what is their carbon footprint emission um, uh, in the environment. Uh, talking about access to education, to healthcare, uh, diversity and inclusion as a whole, right? As a, as a whole concept. It's something that is very important for them. And that really gives us, DLL and other company in our sector, uh, very much responsibility to, to act, because that's really what the word is about acting. Um, they have very clear ambitions. Now, if we take a step back uh, from a DLL perspective and we look at uh, our vision, you know, a few years ago, uh, we put a very decisive spotlight on what we call the sustainable growth, which is a concept that is very dear to, uh, to our heart at, at DLL. And through that concept, the idea was to make sure that every single business line in our organization and in its initiatives 
and its partnership that we entertain across the globe was able to blend the idea that our growth needed to be something that is lasting and something that had a positive impact into society and in, and in, our, in our environment. Now, if you look at different examples um, that really embodied uh, that commitment, because it's truly really a commitment that we have from a DLR perspective, as well as from a Rabobank perspective, our shareholder, um, there's two examples that really comes to mind that are very telling. If you look at the, um, uh, our tech solution business, a few years ago, uh, we engaged in a partnership with a, a nonprofit company named One Tree Planted. That, comp that organization is actually uh, supporting all efforts across the globe to really uh, drive more reforestation of the environment. So what we decided to do in our way to show commitment towards them was to basically uh, plant a tree for every single financing arrangement that we would sign with them. So as you can imagine, we're talking here about a lot of uh, contracts. And here, that showed us that when we look at our customer onboarding and our contract signature process that are going more and more digital, that really gives you the depth of that partnership and what could be done uh, from that perspective. So here as well, ESG is really playing a role in our equipment finance industry. Another brief example is about um, our ITAD uh, solutions, the IT asset disposition offerings. Uh, so this is something that we, these are efforts that we are uh, diversify over the past few years. We broaden the number of partners that we uh, uh, entertain relationship with because we, ne we knew that this market needed to listen to the customer that had an increasing need to have a lot of better management and better visibility in terms of how their assets are going to be managed during the contract, but also beyond the contract. So, so in essence, here, small initiative or big initiative, all these ESGs uh, um, uh, initiative are really uh, steps that are going in the right direction. And I really believe that this is how uh, that concept of environmental uh, uh, sustainable um, governance uh, is really having an impact in our industry. And because customers really want us to lead the way on that front. Like I provided all the different examples of that too. Um, thanks for doing that. So sure. traditionally, when most people think of lenders, Bridging disparity gaps is not the first thing that comes to mind. How is DLL bridging disparity gaps? Yeah, I think Rita, you're right that there is this stereotype um, that we actually take as, a, as an opportunity from a DLL perspective. And I know that our industry as a whole does the same. Um, my true belief is that uh, it really starts from within, right? So whenever you look at uh, the culture, and we take great pride within DLL to have a strong uh, company culture and members are very proud of it. Uh, we want to use that culture, that strong DLL culture, to really uh, raise awareness around issues of diversity of inclusion and inclusion. Uh, we want to use that culture to prepare our members, very important, to have those conversations, constructive dialogues. Um, we want to make sure as well that we give them the tool so that they consciously take action with these tools. So a few years ago, we created and we launched a program uh, called Allies for Inclusion um, that is really having the threefold focus. First of all, learning and development, very important. So talking about training our members to make sure that uh, they are aware of their unconscious bias uh, towards diversity and inclusion issues. Um, talking here also about 
uh, community involvement. So how do our members and our organization can contribute uh, to the greater well-being of our, the community that we serve in? And last but not least, talent, very important. How do we make sure that we attract diverse and inclusive workforce uh, and individuals that ultimately will be uh, playing a big role in you know, the, uh, the growth of our company? So if you look also about what we do internally, you can also put this in contrast as well to what we do in externally, because internally was, is actually a stepping stone to what company like ourselves can do in the outside world, I would say. Um, and here as well, we have found different ways to really bridge those disparity gaps. Uh, one prime example that really comes to mind is uh, this micro-leasing project and initiative that we launched, I would say a decade ago um, in Africa that really supports uh, low-income entrepreneurs to grow their business, to have a better access to capital, to financial solutions, and ultimately, because that's, that's really what matters, to really transform their lives. So uh, here, the goal was to really use our knowledge, our expertise, um, to really support the local communities, to get that better access to, to uh, financial solutions. And the services that we provided, they ranged really from you know, a broad array, talking here about training local credit staff to what the concept of microlease is and what, is the benef what are the benefits of, of microlease to uh, also helping them to develop credit scoring systems uh, for their day-to-day -day operations. And, and I think that the beauty of that program and that initiative specifically um, really reside, reside in the fact that it is our members who really were the one providing hands-on support on-site to the different uh, microfinance institutions and to really uh, develop a relationship with them so that they can really at their level, support local entrepreneurs, you know. If you look also about the way our members uh, were involved, uh, you could think also about how they fundraised for the, the benefit of that program to make sure that there's continuation and also an expansion um, regarding the, the program. So again, it, it's really about making sure that it starts from within, that we use our culture, we'll use our membership, very important. It's, it's, it's very instrumental for us, the membership, the employees. So that then this is being used as a stepping stone to go external and being able actually to support local communities that we, we serve in. That's fantastic. So you talked about what you're doing to bridge disparity gaps, but can you talk to me about why it's important to DLL to do that? Yes, Rita. So for, for, for DLL, the, the key element is, is really about making sure that we have a clear vision. So a few years ago, and you may have, have seen that, we extensively communicated around our long-term vision, our long-term plans, um, which is a mission, I would say, which is to partnering for a better world. Um, here, ESG was really going at the heart of that vision because we believed that through this plan, which encompasses key business objective, but also very, very instrumental and core ESG uh, um, milestones, we wanted to make sure that we contribute to society, to our customers and societies uh, in, in a very sustained fashion. So whether you're talking about the way we are financing uh, certain projects, such as you know, energy efficiencies in, uh, project or sustainability project, um, or the way we also help entrepreneurs that are in need, the goal was very much to make a difference and a very positive difference. 
And that difference needed to be very much lasting. This is a very key uh, uh, part of our vision. Now, if you look at the combination between the vision that we had, partying for a better world, and the new climate that we are in, as you know, you know, we're working from home, the remote working era that we are in, we realized that this was actually given us a broader access to uh, a much more talented pool of, of uh, members that we could onboard, you know, that would be members that had very, very creative thinking, very innovative uh, brain power. And that specific combination between our vision and the overall climate and the ecosystem that we are in was really strengthening uh, our workforce and ultimately making it a lot more diverse. So for us, the thing that is important is making sure that we give our members a sense of a greater purpose in everything they do. That's very vital, that we involve them in every initiative that we have uh, in local communities. And I must say that we take great pride in uh, our ability across the globe in, for all our members to offer two paid volunteering days for each member throughout the year that could be used at their, at their discretion um, so that they can really uh, help out and support the locals community that we operate in and also the ones that we serve. That's fantastic. It sounds like a wonderful place to, to work. It is. <laughs> so we recently published an article um, from DLL about device life cycles. Um, for people who haven't heard about device life cycles, can you explain what that means? Yeah, sure. I think device life cycles is a very uh, important uh, concept reader uh, because, uh, you know, I would preface by saying that it's important to, um, to highlight and emphasize that customers do not consume technology the way they were um, 10 or 20 years ago. If you look at, for example, devices, so mobile computing uh, equipment, these devices are a lot more than just hardware. They carry confidential, sensitive, uh, critical information for our customers. So customers in general, what they're looking for is flexibility, security, but also having the ability to easily upgrade their technology infrastructure within their company. So these needs are very much tying into their ESG plans their objectives, because it's all about how can a customer have a clear view in terms of how is that it's their asset actually are managed, how they are being recycled, if possible, and how they are being disposed, and hopefully in a very sustainable fashion. So for a company like DLL, what was important is to really much to very much crack the code, trying to crack the code. And we feel that we are making good progress. Uh, by launching device lifecycle solution like device as a service, which is a very important product that we are actively promoting at the moment, because these type of solutions are very much catering to the specific stages a device will go through during its life. So starting with the manufacturing, so having the conversation with manufacturers around what is their carbon footprint whenever they do manufacture uh, uh, each and every device that we finance. Um, talking about the use of the device by the primary customer during our financing arrangement. Uh, looking at the potential reconditioning of that equipment once the equipment is returned to us at the end of the contract 
uh, by the customer. We can also talk about, and very important, the use by the secondary customer. So seeing how we can refinance these equipments or redeploy them in the secondary market in a very effective fashion. Um, and then moving on with the recycling, as I was mentioning before, and also the, the disposal of that device uh, in a sustainable way. So the ability for us to really manage effectively each and every one of those stages of the life of a, of a device is really where we, we are seeking to add value to our customers. And that's very, very important for them. So circling back to ESG, how do you think device life cycles play a role in that? Yeah, the, the way we look at uh, device life cycle and how we tie uh, these stages that the device go uh, through with ESGs uh, starts really with the ITAD offering. So if you look at the IT asset disposition services that we are offering at the moment, um, this is where we feel that we are able actually to have both concepts coalescing, ESG and device life cycles. So if you look at the services that uh, we do uh, have out there, uh, these range from the collection of the equipment at the customer's premises, the transportation of such equipment towards um, the collection warehouses, and then moving on with the data wiping, a very important step uh, uh, of, our, um, of our ITAD services, because this talks to the core st strategic uh, objective of the customer, which is to make sure that his data is being managed in a secure fashion and wiped whenever uh, it's no longer be used by, the, by its customer. Then moving on to the reconditioning, the recycling, and the disposal of the used devices. And these ITAT services really, really enabled us to play our part in what we call the circular economy, which is a very important ecosystem uh, that we wanna really uh, ha add, have our contribution into. So now if you take a step back and you look at how those, these life cycle and these stages are being managed, you realize that we can manage them in such a way that we they can ultimately support local communities that are the ones that are really very much in need uh, to be equipped with reliable uh, secure technology so one example that i can share with you uh, Rita, is that at the height of the pandemic back in 2020 and 2021 we were able to support a great number of healthcare provider um, and healthcare institutions um, in a various number of countries by donating to these institutions hundreds of used devices um, that will be helping out COVID patients to be connected with their loved ones, obviously, um, during, uh, you know, these tough moments, tough moments that were the lockdowns in, in, in a very variety of countries around the world, you know. So that really speaks volumes as to how the second life of an asset, and here a device, can really affect change if it's really properly uh, managed. And last but not least, uh, to your question regarding the governance, the G in ESG, right? Um, we feel that these stages and these life cycle of the devices can represent great opportunities for companies like ourselves, DLL, to gather meaningful data and intelligence around how the customer use the technology and specifically how these different stages can really benefit 
the use of such a, such a assets. So that's really how we are able actually to tie the knot between the device lifecycle and the different stages and the ESG, uh, no, the, notion of, the notion of ESG, sorry. Thanks, I really like the, the story about donating the, the computers to the, to the people, the COVID patients, that's, that's really nice. So for, for lenders who may not be involved uh, to the level that DLL is, but they want to get involved in bridging disparity gaps, how do you think that they could get started? Yeah, this is the question, right? How do you make sure that um, if you start in a place that is going to make your ESG strategy or vision a lasting uh, uh, mission, right? Um, I would say that uh, defining from the very start what is their why is paramount. It's really important. If you look at the why and the purpose and you define it very uh, clearly in a collaborative way with your customers and with your members, you, you are pretty much uh, in the right direction and you, you, you go through a very instrumental step here. Now, the thing that is important as well is to really build a strong and clear vision. Because without it, it, it's very difficult actually to, to make some uh, notable progress. Um, here, it's, the idea is really to understand what do you want to achieve? What are the milestones? How, is you gonna, how are you going to be able to use your expertise? And specifically, how members within your organization are going to be able to chime in and provide insights uh, uh, to make some progress on that front? You know? And our vision and mission of partnering for a better world really helped us out to align the different initiatives that we have in all the different business lines uh, um, that are operating within the DLL ecosystem, I would say. Um, I was mentioning before uh, the voice of the customer. The voice of the customer is a key blueprint for a company like ourselves, because we believe that gauging and engaging the client, listening to the client as to what their ambitions are what are the key milestones and where they see us fitting to support them is really important um, uh, to be able to, to have a lasting effect uh, through time. I will say as well that I would recommend and I would very much advise uh, companies to have ESG as part of the day-to-day -day activity in such a way that it's so embedded that members really believe uh, and, and, and really feel that this is part of the organization in a very lasting fashion as well. Um, resource dedication is important. Uh, I really believe that uh, for companies like ourselves, uh, the fact that we were able to invest time, but also resources to really uh, help us out in the implementation of that vision was something that really uh, um, was, we, were we are currently benefiting from and, and being seen in the market as a, as a leader on that front. That's great. So we're approaching the end of our time here. Any final thoughts? Yeah, sure. So the, the thing that I would like to highlight is the idea that in ESG or, you know, in any initiative that a company uh, wants to implement in that space, it needs to be more than just the talk. We're having that conversation. I'm very grateful for you to have me here. But what I would like to say is that more than just talking about it, it's about being about it, right? Every little steps is, can be consequential. 
I always like to, to mention that uh, great quote, uh, which is that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Well, here it is. We need to make sure that in our industry, starting with DLL as a leader, that we are coming up with innovative, bold product and solutions that are designed with our customers and that all of this um, vision can really start from within, from the company in itself. That's a very important point for us because we feel that the company cultures, we really serve as a good foundations for uh, the ability of uh, players like ourselves to really branch out externally and being able to, um, to have a positive impact in society. Um, I'm very much looking forward to have those conversations continuing in our industry. It's a very important uh, topic. And I think that as DLL, uh, we want to make sure that we solidify our leadership on that front and that we take on these challenges and most importantly, that we become the part of the solution. That's fantastic. Babaka, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It was, it was great talking with you. Thank you, Rita. I did appreciate it. Thank you very much.